Hey, thanks so much for checking out this episode of Golf Strategy School. Now, I know you're listening because you want to learn how to play better golf. But if you want to see how you compare to other golfers your age, you need to check out parforsuccess.com slash Griffin. That is par, the number four, success.com slash Griffin, G-R-I-F-F-I-N. And what it will do is it will actually give you a free assessment where you can see exactly how you measure up against other people your age. And you can see where you're excelling, where you need to focus your time on. And this is an assessment, honestly, that you can take once a month just to see how you're progressing throughout your golf journey. So again, check out parforsuccess.com slash Griffin to see how you measure up against other golfers your age. What's up, Golf Strategy School? My name is Marty Griffin, and you are listening to the only podcast designed to help people get over that milestone score of breaking 90 or breaking 100. If you're still working on it, no big deal, no pressure. We're in this together. This podcast is brought to you by Super Speed Golf. If you want to hit the ball farther, use the science of overspeed training to get you there. Head over to golfstrategyschool.com slash superspeed to check out my interview with Mike and Kyle, the founders of Super Speed Golf. And if you already know about Super Speed, you can actually get 10% off with promo code GOLFSTRATEGY on your entire order at Super Speed Golf. Now, today's podcast is going to be a little bit different. It's a pseudo quasi coaching call, if you will. This comes from the Golf Strategy Academy, and you've heard me talk about this in the past. We launched it, oh boy, uh, what was it? July, I want to say July. We kept it open for a period of time. Um, you know, I I kind of closed off new members a bit there. Uh, but we've been working on exactly what people want the most out of their golf instruction. And I do these monthly coaching calls. And I wanted to really kind of dig into a point that someone brought up in our last coaching call. And I'm not going to play the call because that's for the members. But what I will do is I will answer one of the questions that came up. And that question is, how on earth do I quit slicing the golf ball? Now, I know that this is a very common problem for a lot of golfers, whether it's 10 handicappers, 15 handicappers, 20 handicappers. But I know that when we talk about kind of our our general purpose here, helping people get over that hump of breaking 90, this really does become a very common issue. And for all those people out there who are looking to break 100, I actually have a special resource for you. If you head over to golfstrategyschool.com slash training, I have this fantastic short little course that you can take that gives you the three most important keys to breaking 100 in the next 30 days. So if you're looking to break 100, you know, you're, you're in that realm. I can get you that training. It's on me. No worries. Go to golfstrategyschool.com slash training. Get yourself signed up for it and you can learn those three keys. But what we're talking about today is how we can quit slicing the ball, really the fundamental keys to it. So let's jump in. Do you love to play golf? Do you wish you could be a more consistent and confident player? Well, you're in the right place. 
This is the Golf Strategy School podcast, where we discuss specific practice strategies used by some of the best golf instructors from around the world. Here's your host, Marty Griffin. All right, like I said, we're looking at how do we quit slicing. And I know that this is a problem for a lot of people. And one of the things I think is really important about this conversation is the fact that it does not have the really solid understanding throughout golf. You know, when we talk about kind of the ball flight laws and the physics and mechanics behind golf, people know some things, but they just don't know enough. And that's kind of what I want to start out by talking about is really what creates shot shape, what creates starting line. And so the shot shape is the path of the club at impact. So if you are coming across the ball from outside in, kind of the classic over-the-top move, that puts side spin on the ball, and that causes the shot shape to be a slice. When we talk about what causes the direction the ball starts at, that is the club face. So, and when you think about it, this makes even more sense but wherever that club base is going, wherever that's pointed, that is the direction the ball is going to start. Now, what really compounds the issue is that higher handicappers usually have both of these problems. They usually come in with an open club face, especially with the longer clubs. With their short irons, they might get some dead pulls. But with their longer clubs, it's usually an open club face, and they're coming across the ball. Now, the big question here and the big question for a lot of people is, well, Marty, if I know what the two problems are, I just fix them. But which should I tackle first? And it's my opinion and it's shared by some people that I really, really trust is that you fix the club face first. That's what we're going to address initially is we're going to make sure that the ball is starting on the appropriate target line. And the reason I say that is because that is that is going to have a bigger influence. It's going to have a down-the-line influence on our golf swing. So what happens is that when higher handicappers, people who have that kind of over-the-top X swing motion in their golf swing, when higher handicappers come over the top, what they're doing is they are they're reacting to what they've experienced in the past. Our brain is very, very smart, and it reacts incredibly quickly. If we think about how long the golf swing takes, it's a split second, right? It takes hardly any time at all. And your brain is working so fast that it's making these minute little corrections during the swing, and it learns that if it doesn't have enough time to make that minute correction during the swing, it's going to start to alter things before the swing. So when we come in with an open club face, that ball starts to the right. The brain says, I didn't aim there. I aimed down the middle. If it started to the right, I should probably start aiming further left. Now, we have this kind of override system in our heads that says, okay, we've got our pre-shot routine. We're going to get up there. We're going to aim. We're going to get ourselves lined up. And so we get our feet lined up and, you know, our, our hips are generally lined up at the same line as our feet because there's not a t- 
ton different that you can do there. But what happens is your shoulders, they start to drift open. Your shoulders slowly but surely over time start aiming further and further left of the target, compensating for that open club face. So because the shoulders are moving left, we are now exaggerating that over-the-top move. Think about it. If your shoulders are pointing left of the target, but your toes and your hips are pointing at the target, what is that natural shape going to be when we're coming through impact? If our shoulders are open, it's going to be to come across the ball, outside in, and put that big old slice spin on it. And it's all a compensation move for not having the club face square at impact. So that's why I say that the first thing to be addressed is the club face. Now, okay, we know we have to address that first, but how the hell do we do it? Well, here's what you do. And again, I've heard people argue with me about this in the past. I don't care if, if you're shooting under par, go shoot under par. What the hell are you listening to this for anyway? But what we need to do is address with a strong grip. And I don't mean strong like, Hulk it out. I don't mean white knuckles. I mean a strong grip, meaning you will rotate your hands on the grip when you address the club, or not when you address the club, when you address the ball. When you take your grip, you're going to rotate your hands, and I'm speaking from a right-handed perspective, to the right, towards your trail side. So you're going to see, you know, when we look at our hands, we've got a V that happens between our thumb and our index finger on both hands. So that V on your left hand should be pointing at your right shoulder, okay? So that means when you are holding the club, you should be able to see very clearly at least two knuckles on your left hand. Ideally, I would like you to see three knuckles. Rotate that sucker over even more. Same thing goes with your right hand. You're going to rotate it a little bit underneath again. So that V that gets formed with your thumb and your forefinger goes up to your right shoulder. The reason being is that this really helps you kind of emphasize that closing of the club face through your swing. So now, instead of coming through with an open face, it's getting really, really, really easy to close that club face and actually come through and start the ball where it's supposed to start. So step one is taking that strong grip so we can make sure that that club face gets closed. Now we've got our strong grip. And again, it's not strong grip pressure. It's a strong grip because it produces a very strong penetrating ball flight. You know, if you think about like a a side to side wind how much that's going to influence your ball flight or even especially like a headwind, you know, when you're going right into the wind, if you have a high fade because you're coming through across the ball with the club face open, when you're going into the wind, that sucker slices twice as much, doesn't it? Well, with this strong grip, what's going to happen is you're going to actually hit a, a lower penetrating shot that goes through that wind and it's going to get you more roll once the ball does hit the ground. So step one, strong grip. Step two, Fix those damn shoulders. So what we're going to do, and if you don't know, I'm a big proponent of over-exaggerating moves in practice. That way we don't have to think about them 
when we're on the course. So strong grip, I want you to play with that all the time, even when you're on the course, in practice and on the course. These shoulders, I want you to, when you're practicing, I want you to focus on not only making sure your shoulders are square compared to your toes, your knees, your hips, but I actually want you to close your shoulders a little bit. I want your shoulders to be pointed right of the target. Now you're probably thinking, Marty, I'm already missing the ball right. I'm missing the shots right. Why the hell do I want to aim my shoulders right? Isn't that just going to send me out there even further? Well, let's think about it just like we thought about it before. Okay, if our shoulders are open and that causes us to come across the ball, outside in, if our shoulders are closed, that gives us so much more room as we transition from the top of the swing coming down to actually drop the club into that quote-unquote slot that you hear everybody talking about, to shallow out the club, come from the inside, and you're going to start hitting, dare I say it, a push draw. That's an, it, That's all it takes. It takes those two adjustments. You need a stronger grip, you need to close your shoulders a little bit, and you are going to be hitting a lot less slices, and a lot more just beautiful, nice, strong push draws. It's going to allow the club to function, the club's swing to function so, so much better, so much more efficiently. Your shots are going to go farther. You're not going to be missing right. And you're going to have a hell of a lot more confidence in your game. So those two things, strong grip, close your shoulders. You know, you practice with those shoulders a little bit closed, but when you're actually playing on the course, you just want to make sure that they're square. You know, if it's going really well with the shoulders closed in practice, I don't have a problem with you taking that closed shoulder feeling out onto the course. Frankly, you probably feel like your shoulders are closed, but in reality, they probably just come back to square. You're just so used to operating with them open. So those are your two keys. Strong grip, close your shoulders, and hit some beautiful draws. All right, everybody, if you're working on breaking 90, this is going to help you. If you're working on breaking 100, I've got some other fundamentals that you really, really need to be aware of. And just head over to golfstrategyschool.com slash training. I got a nice little course that is going to walk you through that. Again, totally on me. You don't have to pay for it or nothing. Uh, I just want to make sure I'm helping as many people as possible. And if you've seen me on Facebook, if you are a fan of the page or follow me on Twitter or wherever, you've probably noticed some things changing. And we have something that's going to be starting on 11:29. So I'll keep you posted. It's going to be really, really cool. But until then, everybody, I will catch you in the short grass. Cheers. All right, thanks for listening to this episode of Golf Strategy School. As always, if you want to keep it in the short grass, all you got to do is put those lessons into effect. And if you want to see exactly how you fare in terms of your physical performance to other golfers your age, head over to par4success.com slash griffin, and you'll be able to see exactly where you line up and match up with other golfers your age based off of this 
this free performance assessment that Chris and his team has put together. Again, that's parforsuccess.com slash Griffin to see exactly how well you line up against all their golfers your age. And I'll just drop a link to it in the show notes.